0: Welcome to The Practical Prophetic, where prophetic ministry is made practical. I'm Beth Wingate. I'm your host, and welcome to the podcast. On our podcast today, I am so excited to have back on the program, Marcia Headley. Welcome back, Marsha. Thank you.
1: Good to be yes. here, Beth.
0: Yes, I love when you're on here. So, you and I have talked, yeah, you and I have talked recently, and I do these segments on prophetic history. And we had talked about your history and your heritage and your father. And I asked you to please come and share some of the things you have about him that I really believe will encourage and bless people, and how that his whole life has been a prophetic witness, and what a his testimony is still. Going out and reaching people, and the internet has been amazing, and that it allows us to do things like that. And so, I appreciate you sharing this story. And I'm just gonna pitch it to you. I wanna first, though, plug you and talk about the things that you've done. You have a book out called Prayer Dynamics. I'll put a link in the description box. You also have on your Facebook page, Prodigal Monday, where you minister to people who are dealing with prodigals and their family or to prodigals themselves. And uh, you and your husband are also involved in Convoy of Hope, which is wow. a fantastic organization that does disaster relief and different kinds of relief and you are also my former pastors and so uh just I, I still feel like you're still sort of our pastors, uh, even though it's been many years we're still yeah. connect spiritually connected to you guys, and you now have a relationship with my current pastor and that's fantastic. So, I'm just going to pitch it to you and let you bring uh, the things that you want to share with us about your father. And I'm excited to hear what you have to share.
1: Thank you, Beth. It is a blessing to be here and to share this story with you because it is part of my prophetic heritage. Really, it is. And so it it is amazing. I just want to say what a blessing it's been to reconnect with you and your family and with your pastors. what a joy and a blessing that has been. So our travels have benefited us in that we are able to reconnect with so many people that we have had a part of ministry in their lives previously. And we count it truly a blessing when we have these opportunities. So I want to share with you today about my dad, who was, by the way, a prodigal. And so there were many, many prayers prayed over my dad by his mother, his family. And his dad was actually filled with the Holy Spirit in the Azusa Revival. And he went to the Azusa Bible College there in California. And hopefully at some point I'll share his story because it was a significant story of impact on all of our lives in that my grandfather's sharing the Pentecostal message with our family has been a legacy of our family. Wow, so I, I'm so thankful I have, there are people in our family who are in ministry, and I had two uncles that were in ministry. One is retired now, but my dad is with Jesus. and But I, I want to share how God makes a prophetic covenant with us. And so, I want to just start out there. I want to share with you about Samuel's mother, who, as you know, Hannah made a, a pact with God. And out of her commitment to God, Samuel made such an impact on Israel. But Samuel had to also have a part in this. And I would like to say that My dad's mother was a significant woman of prayer. And I'll share more about his father, um, as I shared on another broadcast. But the prayers of our families matter. And God, through Hannah's commitment, honored that and blessed Samuel. And when Samuel was given to Eli as a little boy, And he was sleeping in the other room. And as you know the story, he began to hear the voice of God. And he checked with Eli, and it was not Eli. And ultimately, Samuel said, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Samuel learned to hear the voice of God on his own. And he began to develop a relationship with God and hearing the voice of God and making a standard for Israel, which was extremely important. And you see that Samuel, was after Moses, in terms of being the prophet and judge of Israel, he was the one of greatest significance after Moses. He actually anointed the first king of Israel, but he also anointed David in obedience to God. Right. And he did not know that it would be the Davidic line. That would lead to the Messiah, that he did not know the covenant God would make with David, but he was obedient to the Lord, and so i I want to just kind of backtrack that Samuel's mother was the one that made the covenant first with God, and Samuel honored that covenant,
0: right. and I think that's there's a, yeah, there's always a prayer warrior behind somebody who's doing amazing things.
1: You're exactly right. And we we see that um, God, you know, later on chose he chose David, but then he chose Solomon before Solomon was ever born, and he blessed Solomon because he asked for wisdom and not riches or fame or or the death of his enemies, and God gave him so much more. And I think that's very much a part of my dad's story, that when God sought my dad, and then dad turned to him. Dad's response was a significant response. So I'm going to share that story. And my grandmother and grandfather raised their children in Southeast Texas. Ultimately, my dad ended up attending other churches and Ultimately, going to war, at least during the time of World War II, dad was brought into the Army. So in high school, my dad was a very gifted athlete. In those days, it was not really a positive thing in a spirit-filled church for young people to go and to play sports. That was frowned upon. And so my grandmother allowed my uncles to do that because it helped to keep them out of trouble. And they were prone to trouble, so (laughs) that that helped her. So my dad ultimately, he was quite an athlete, and he ultimately received a scholarship to play football for Baylor. But before he could accept that honor, he was given another privilege, and that was to serve in the armed forces. He was drafted to serve in the army during World War II. So, Dad was thinking that maybe if he enlisted early that maybe he could get out in enough time, I think, to try to get that scholarship, but that never never did happen, but he did enlist early and ended up going into the Army. And Dad's military service career actually helped to launch him to be the man he eventually became, but not in the way that one might think. Dad never really preferred to talk about his military service at length, but he would give us windows here and there into that journey. I think that's not uncommon for many of our soldiers that have gone in times of war. It's not something they really want to talk about, even though my dad did not ever see any of the warfare. But there were things that happened during his military career that he wasn't proud of, not because he didn't serve his country, but let me go further. So when dad got out of boot camp, He intended to sign up for frontline action. His best buddy had convinced him and all those in his barracks to sign up to go to the front of the war. They really believed they were going to make such a difference that they could help this war get over quickly. And they didn't want to miss any of the excitement. So all of my dad's boot camp buddies signed up. And my dad was going to. But instead, the Army found out about Dad and his musical ability. My grandmother and grandfather had um, trained. They had grown up singing. Um, Neither of my grandparents were musical, but they wanted music to be in their children's future. And God provided a way through one of the schools that my dad and my aunts and uncles attended. So, Dad has a had a beautiful bass voice, and somehow the army found out Dad could sing. So, before Dad could sign up for the action, he was commissioned by the military to travel with a, a quartet, raising money for war bonds. Wow! So it was a perfect fit for Dad because he loved to travel and he loved to sing. So, he ended up not going to the front lines like his friends did, who sadly were all killed. And Dad shared that with me one day when we went to the World War II Museum in New Orleans. Dad would share little pieces of his story that were painful just here and there. He never told a long story. And so, after the war ended, Dad was sent to Okinawa. And um, there in Japan, he helped in the recovery and reconstruction phase. It was here that dad's story began to unravel. Because dad, even though he loved God, he didn't really have God as his focus. And he really had wandered from the Lord. He didn't want to do what God called him to do. He knew God was calling him to be a pastor, and he didn't want to be a pastor. He wanted to be an engineer, and that's why he really wanted to go to Baylor. So, dad distanced himself from the Lord even though he maintained his morals, and he told us he would, you know, he he didn't ever go into the places that they would drink or smoke or, or, or drink, I should say, because all of the Army smoked during that time. In fact, that was part of the rations that were given was cigarettes. Each GI was given as much as five to seven packs a week.
0: I didn't know that.
1: Yes, and that's why so many of our soldiers ended up with lung cancer. Because they used that as recreation, even though these consumer goods were rationed, uh, people with the right currency during that time, there were many goods were being rationed, and so things like cigarettes and uh, tea and coffee and soap and chocolate were given to our GIs, so they would use those to to trade. Dad began to see that there was an opportunity, and so he began to use his cigarettes. You could actually get extra cigarettes, and so even though we don't know the details, we know that somehow Dad involved himself with selling cigarettes on the black market. And he ultimately, um, he told my sister Kathy he did not personally sell the cigarettes, but somehow he had enough of racket going that he had people under him doing the actual selling. So one day, Dad, Dad shared how that he was a very wealthy man with a vast amount of earnings. And the next day, the currency suddenly changed, and all those riches were only worthless paper. So we know that Dad began to do very well. But Dad... During that time, God spared Dad's life, not only with the almost going to the front lines, but uh, several other times during the military. One time, he uh, found a tugboat that was not being used. And so he and his buddies, I don't know if the word was commandeered. They just, it was on the (laughs) side. And so they took it. But what they did not know was that the army was keeping watch over the waters and so one one afternoon when dad got back from this fun time on this boat he remembered having gone on the top deck and with his binoculars looking around and one of his gi friends was sharing how that this stupid group of gis was spared Because the one that got up on the top deck with his binoculars, they could tell he was a GI by what he was wearing. And they did not shoot them out of the water. Wow. So God spared Dad's life that time, but many others. And ultimately, Dad was becoming so successful that the Japanese arrested him for selling cigarettes on the black market. Now, it was very common for our GIs to make trades on the black market. I did a lot of reading on this just to find out. So it was not unusual for GIs to do this. But evidently, Dad's success began to increase. And so he was arrested and put in a Japanese jail. He told me he had to sit on the floor with others, and they were instructed to meditate on their evil deeds. And Dad said it was very cold and damp. We don't really know how long Dad was there. He didn't share that part of the story because he honestly had no timeline for it because they took away everything from him, you know, to be able to tell the time. But he was there long enough to get double pneumonia. And the the Army ultimately tracked him down and brought him. He was up for a court-martial with charges pending. But because of the double pneumonia, he was sent to an Army hospital in California, San Francisco's Letterman General Hospital. And this is where God began to work to turn my dad. God was already working. But this is when God finally got a hold of my dad. My dad was lying there in his hospital bed, and he heard the doctor speaking outside to his mother. The doctor said, if you know anyone in Texas who can pray, call them now, because your son will probably not live through the night. So my grandmother and the family went to prayer. And God intervened that night. Dad overheard those words, and he turned his face to the wall, and he had a reckoning with his father God. And though Dad had loved God before, he knew that God, as I said, was calling him into into ministry. And that night, Dad turned his face to the wall, and he said, God, I give up. I surrender my life to you. And he said, if you will heal me, I will preach the gospel for you. But Dad, like Solomon, um, asked for a stipulation. Solomon asked for wisdom. And Dad asked, he said, but Lord, if I'm going to be a preacher, he said, I don't want to be a weak and wimpy one. He said, I want to operate in the power of God's spirit. And that is exactly what God did throughout Dad's life, but so much more. Many people's Amazing. lives were radically saved and changed throughout his ministry. During Dad's recovery time, there was a chaplain, an Assemblies of God chaplain, working at Letterman General Hospital. His name was Brother Joe Gearhart, and he made regular visits to Dad and helped to disciple him. And this wonderful chaplain testified in the military court On Dad's behalf, and all charges were dropped so that my dad did not serve a sentence, which could have been up to two years.
0: Wow. Amazing.
1: Yes. So thank God for Army chaplains and for hospital chaplains. So God was working in my dad's life, even during that time in the hospital. We ultimately moved to New Orleans. Dad started two churches and then pastored another and then we were invited to New Orleans. And it was it was at this time that Dad's ministry really began to flourish. And it was such a different, whole different culture for us after moving from Texas. But Dad was just he loved this location that where God had moved us. And he began to be used of God in so many amazing ways. There were forces of hell in New Orleans that we didn't deal with in Beaumont, Texas. And so people began to be delivered through my dad's ministry and healed. There were wonderful things God began to do. People began to be saved. And God used dad in such a dramatic way. And dad never, ever forgot what God did for him in terms of how he delivered him from a prison sentence. My dad had honestly, I think, not realized what he was getting into because he knew that others were trading cigarettes. I'm not making excuses for my dad, but I would like to say dad never shared a big testimony. And there was a reason for that, because he felt like if he did, there would be those in the church that would, would praise God for his testimony. But there were those in the community that might not have been able to look past his past. And Dad loved, he loved his country, and he wanted to serve his country even as a pastor. He wanted to do everything he could To be a good American. So dad began to make a difference in every significant way that he could with his life. He used his life to share Jesus everywhere he went. He would always work the message of salvation into every sermon and every prayer he ever prayed in the community. Because dad was given privileges, many, many privileges, to serve. He served as a Rotarian. As a member of the Chamber of Commerce, as a civic leader, he prayed at many civic functions. He often would use the military, the honor guard in our ceremonies. So he would have the honor guard come. Ultimately, Dad used his influence. Dad began to have what he called I Love America Days. And we would go to a large stadium, a high school stadium in our community, and there he would have this important day with great speakers, well-known speakers. He would have the Air Force fly over. He would have many veterans there that he would honor. He celebrated our country. He did a lot of very unique things in the community, and it was filled with beautiful patriotic music from our choirs. God just blessed the community through Dad's endeavors. They always had a big fireworks display at the very end of it. So it became very well known. It was one of the ways that Dad honored the military, his years of service, and he honored our country. Dad was used mightily of God in the community as a pastor, but he also made a great difference in the community. He really tried to make things better in every way that he could. He tried to influence spiritually. He really pastored a whole community, not just his church. He was asked to pray over two gubernatorial inaugurations he once prayed before the opening of a session of the House of Representatives in Washington, D.C. And oh, wow. But yet, Dad had a compassion for those who were down and out. He would always help those who were having a struggle just to make ends meet or to even have food. Dad, I remember, would, would feed those that were would come off of the railroad tracks. At one time, we lived near railroad tracks, and if someone came to our door needing food, he and Mom always were very kind to do that. Or people, people, and would find out, you know, who who would help the poor, and so we ended up having many people come who needed help. But God honored Dad's prophetic covenant with him. And he began to to do powerful things in dad's life so that in the 70s, there was a great move of God and across our nation. But in our community, God really anointed dad and the Lord opened the door and we were on television on a major channel for 10 years, which was unheard of in our community. Not only did my dad have a television program, but he also had a radio program that was aired for many more years than his television program. And it was called On the Road to Heaven with Reverend Paul Radke. It was a three minute broadcast on WWL and WWL uh, would reach around the world. Dad would get letters from Russia, from the south tip of South America, and he he got all kinds of input that he, he was making a difference. Even today, I have people who heard Dad's program who were so impacted by him. In fact, Bruce's family, when they first met me, they thought I was like a movie star because he had uncles who were truck drivers who had heard dad's message um each time they would be because this was aired twice each night. So they were well familiar with dad and they were just so amazed that Bruce was marrying such a movie star. <laughs> um, but I remember one time dad went into a truck stop and he was he had purchased some gasoline, and he was just saying some kind words to the lady behind the cash register. And she stopped with her mouth open. She said, you're Pastor Paul Radke on the road to heaven. <laughs> I listen to you every night. So Dad shared the message of salvation every night across the airways and many, many lives were saved and touched and changed through it.
0: That's amazing.
1: Our community was filled with wonderful people that were Catholics, but we were Protestant, and so it was very unusual for a Protestant pastor to have such opportunities to pray for a governor election or, or to be on television and God used Dad to also connect with other leaders in our community and in our nation. Dad was friends with lots of representatives and senators. And he was a friend of the Speaker of the House, Hale Boggs. Anyway, Dad had many political contacts even though he was not a political person. Dad actually had a wonderful opportunity to witness to, to Carlos Marcelo. Carlos Marcelo, he was a a very big, well known name in the gangster community. And really in in publicity, he got a lot of publicity. But God gave Dad, a wonderful opportunity to witness to him. Mr. Marcello actually sought my dad out because he had a business transaction that he wanted dad to be involved with. But dad did not. He wanted, he was wanting him to develop a a subdivision for him. But dad did not do that, but he took the opportunity to witness to Mr. Marcello. So God used Dad in some amazing ways. And so I'll share this last story because it kind of shows the impact Dad made in a a wide spectrum of people. Bruce, my husband, and his ministry team were doing a missionary outreach there in Russia shortly after the wall fell. And even though they had the paperwork to be there, they'd been granted permission to the evangelistic outreaches they were put under house arrest. My sister Kathy was on the trip, and she was able to make a phone call to dad. Within a couple of hours, the ambassador, the American ambassador to Russia called Bruce at the hotel where he and the team were being held in custody. And these were the ambassador's words to Bruce. I don't know who you are or who you know. But I have a senator and a representative from Louisiana saying, if you don't get out of here and your team, if I don't get you out of there, I will lose my job. And within, within an hour, Bruce and his team, along, of course, with Kathy, were on a bus with a military escort heading to the train station so they could get back to Moscow and make their flight back to New Orleans. But I would like to say that God used Dad on that endeavor. But the Lord also used Bruce and his team to plant two churches while they were there in Russia, though they were held captive so much of that time. But that helps you to see the impact that my dad had made.
0: I'm going to jump in right here. And say to the the listener, these are examples to us that when you become just sold out to the Lord, there's no telling the reach that you can have and how the Lord will use you. I'm sure your dad never in a million years knew where his story would go. And so it's just amazing. It's an amazing story. I'm excited to hear the rest.
1: And the rest of the story that I will tell next time is how Dad began to be involved on a worldwide scale with David Ben-Gurion, two other ambassadors, but how God used his life to be a prophetic voice into these wonderful, amazing people's lives. And I can't wait to tell you more about it.
0: Yes, I'm so excited. We're going to continue this with part two We're going to see what the Lord did through your father's life. And I believe God can do amazing things through our lives. He had no idea where his Uh, story would take him. And thank you so much for taking this opportunity. And I look forward to part two. And uh, we'll be waiting on the edge of our seat to find out what happens. Thank you, Marcia.
1: Thank you, Pat.
0: For listening to today's podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button so you'll be informed next time I post. Thank you again and have a blessed day.